Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HashtagBasketball.com, your home for the best fantasy basketball tools on the entire internet. And they're all free. Uh, go out, check that out, HashtagBasketball.com. They have amazing tools. If you want to know what a good team is to get some point guard stats, they have the uh, defense versus positions. NBA defense versus positions up to date based on whatever part of the season we're in right now. So go check it out. It's very, very useful depending on what you're trying to do. There's probably a tool out there for you at hashtag basketball.com. I'm your host, Mike Katrin. And joining me as always is my co-host, Tyler Watts. What's up, Tyler? Michael, it's good to be back. We had a bit of an extended break over the holiday. We are back in the saddle this week, and I am beyond excited for it. Yeah, I hope everybody had a great uh, Thanksgiving weekend, ate a lot of food, watched a lot of basketball, maybe even on Thanksgiving watched some football. That is okay. There was no NBA on on Thursday, making it a very weird week. And we, we did talk about what a weird, strange type of week it was on our last podcast, uh, previewing last week. And hopefully that's already prepared you to get an extra game or two going into this week because this week we are looking at a much more normal NBA schedule um, with some, um, I mean, some heavy days and some, and some short days per usual, but not a every single team other than two playing on two out of the seven days, which was a mix for a really difficult streaming week in your head to head leagues. Yeah, and I mean, even the days that, I mean, there are two days that have double-digit games, Wednesday and Friday, um, again this week, and that one has 10 and the other one has 11 games, so we're not talking about anything crazy. Then um, the maximum number of games on any other day this week is seven, so there should be two days where you're probably not going to be able to stream anybody in your daily changes leagues, but in the other five, there should definitely be plenty of opportunities to make pickups and get some people and unfortunately, the Indiana Pacers are the team with the best schedule this week in the sense that they play four times and they do not play on Wednesday or Friday, meaning you could probably pick up a Pacers guy for Monday and get him all in your lineup for all four games. But um, as we can talk about here in a little bit, you, man, adding a Pacer gets difficult fast. Yeah, uh, if you have been following uh, along, which I would hope so, you're, uh, you've bought in this long on the podcast, um, you know, we do want to uh, push people towards picking up guys who play on teams that have either terrible defenses or are playing against terrible defenses. And I'm just going to throw my normal reference to the Chicago Bulls, the worst defensive team in the league, if they're if your team, your guy is playing Chicago Bulls, uh, or if he happens to be playing the Atlanta Hawks, uh, or if you can get a guy in the Chicago Bulls or Atlanta Hawks, because it's not like the other teams are locking down on Chicago. They're just they just continue to score on them. Uh, Chicago's putting up a, a good amount of points, but they're not going to win those games, which I'm totally okay with. You know, uh, Zion Williamson is going to be on the team next year. It's going to be a very good year for the Chicago Bulls next year. But this year, you want to stream guys who play on bad teams or playing against bad teams. The Indiana Pacers, they're a pretty good defensive team, and they're not scoring a ton of points. Are you worried the Chicago Bulls are going to turn into the 76ers in the sense that they got, like, eight big men that they can't figure out who to play? 
Uh, it, you know, it seemed to work out for the uh, Sixers in the long term. So uh, I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, but, but it wouldn't have worked out had the Joel Embiid injury not happened in the sense that he missed basically two full seasons and the one year got them Ben Simmons. So assuming but, Laurie Markkinen and Wendell Carter and Zion Williams, if they pick them, are all healthy – they might not have the season to get some Ben Simmons that really makes the whole thing work out. Whoa, I think Zion might be might be the guy. He's an athletic freak of nature. You know, I don't even I don't even know what to make of that guy. He could be three hundred pounds and in the NBA and still be athletically sound. You know, like it's I don't yeah, know what to he, make of him at all. But he's not going to be able to defend a point guard like. I mean, numerous of the the great point guards, and so that's where I mean they're going to need someone like. Guys a, can. But that's what I'm saying is they're going to need someone like a Patrick Beverly, like someone who can slow down a a good, strong, you know, backcourt player because they do not have that. And Zach Levine, kind of a trash defender. I'm not sure. Um, well, first off, Chris Dunn. Throw, throw, I'm going to throw that name out there. I know he has been uh, injured, and actually, we've been getting a lot of questions about. Chris Dunn, um, kind of about what um, we think Chris Dunn is going to be kind of worth over the next, um, the rest of the season, really. And uh, as I see it, it is Chris Dunn's injury is going to force him into, I guess, a slower probably return. So he's not going to like game one, 35 minutes, uh, old Chris Dunn. That's not what we're going to be. Uh, looking at here like that's that is way too optimistic and I'm never too optimistic when it comes to injuries especially when it comes to injuries for Chicago Bulls players but uh, looking at the rest of the year Tyler like first off it seems like Chris Dunn will be back in a couple weeks if he's available on your waiver wire I think he should be you know stashed on your team at, at this point it's a sprained MCL so you don't like I said they don't want to rush him back but do you think he he is a top 50 player for the rest of the season, like come, let's say, starting in January. Okay, so you kind of asked two different questions, and so I'm going to yep. try to make the distinction between <laughs> between two things there. Okay, so he did some practicing, but obviously he hasn't done any contact practicing, according to everything I've read, and maybe you've seen something a little bit. Um, so there's that part of it. So that that's kind of the first thing. So we're probably looking at another one to two weeks before he even plays. Um, then he ramps up slow. Uh, okay. So if he's on the waiver wire, would I pick him up? <sighs> yes, I'd probably pick him up now, or I would maybe wait a couple days if I needed a stream or two, like at the beginning of the week, and then I would be targeting him. Um, a sprain is a tear. He had an MCL sprain, so he tore his MCL. He didn't have surgery. So there's no guarantee that this injury doesn't crop back up. Like if his MCL is partially torn and he's trying to play through it, it could get fully torn. And then we're looking at a surgical thing that's going to keep him out for the rest of the season. So I don't know that I'd trade for Chris Dunn at this point. Like that doesn't seem like a super wise move. Yeah, um, assuming gonna, like His value is probably higher now than it will be when he comes back. And that's kind of a weird thing where you think like, why would a guy who's two weeks away – value go you know anywhere but up and the thing is is like Chris Dunn's still name recognition still a guy who projected to be a top 50 player going into the season uh an elite steals 
a guy who's going to own the point guard position in Chicago. But when he comes back, he's going to start slow. He's going to play little minutes, and then the owner's finally going to have enough of him and probably lower lower his value on a trade like that. Yeah, and the nice thing, at least for this season, for him is like, you know, they're starting Ryan Archie Diacono. So yes, that, that's that's all it needs to be said about that. Yes, they um, are. But here's the thing that I guess maybe worries me the most about it is just. I mean, I think that obviously once he's healthy, he's going to get the minutes. This the health, even though he's coming back. Like, I don't know that it's going to be a smooth sailing for the rest of the season. And one of those situations where if he's still a little banged up, we see him sit back-to-backs and just be a little bit frustrating to own. But if you're talking about somebody you can have for free, I mean, there's probably, even in 10-team leagues, there's probably not too many guys with his kind of upside uh, sitting on the waiver wire. But... I would I would hundred percent agree with that. Like if he's out there, he should be kind of a uh, uh, kind of a uh, target that you that you, that you're looking to get on your roster, sit in your uh, the bottom of your bench, maybe take a few a one week off. Uh, but like you said, you're a little uh, there's no contact right now, so two weeks might be two weeks to say there's two more weeks, and then you probably have to drop them again. So it's still a little risky. Uh, to pick up Chris Dunn. But on on top of that, um, I'm not sure because of the injury, because they might go a little bit easy on him going into the first part of his season. You're probably not going to be getting full on Chris Dunn until late January, early February. Still a good chunk of the season left after that. But I'm not sure that makes him a top 50 player. Maybe per game, he eventually gets up to that point. But, you know, you're going to spend a month and a half where he, he's probably closer to the bottom of a standard league relevant player. Right. And well, one, I mean, he's kind of a fringy top 50 player to begin with. So I wouldn't expect too, too much, especially if this injury is hampering him even in the slightest amount. Yeah, but that's enough about old Chris Dunn. Let's talk about week seven uh, going in to the week after Thanksgiving. Um we're really, I think, pretty, I would say, confident that um, we're on the right track with a lot of the guys that we've either picked up or been looking at or been targeting. I think a lot of the slumps are either over or becoming over. Even Otto Porter had a pretty decent week. Um, you have some of these other guys who were on the fringes who were kind of um, questionable pickups or uh, late-round draft picks like uh, young guys like Jaron Jackson Jr., Montrezl Harrell, who are coming up real strong. Uh, Those guys are, uh, over the last couple weeks, have been fantastic. And um, I think the only only outlier really would be uh, we still don't know what the hell's going on with Gordon Hayward. Um, That guy's still uh, trashing up, taking big dumps on the middle of the court every game. So uh, other than that, I think we're like – you feel pretty comfortable with the way the uh, see no, no giant surprises. Um, I would say just a uh, a lot of adjusting uh, here and there. But overall, Tyler, are you are you pretty satisfied with uh, kind of seeing where the the landscape is right now? Yeah, and I mean, even Gordon Hayward, like obviously he had the twenty two minute game on Friday, and then he missed the game against Dallas with ankle soreness. Um, that was kind of a back to back and. 
the reason for 22 minutes was they killed the Hawks. But I mean, don't look now, but Gordon Hayward's basically played 30 minutes in every game of the six games before that. So even Gordon Hayward's kind of rounding into form. He hasn't quite found his shot yet, but that's coming. Like we've seen a, a, a bubble up here of like three or four games where he shot over 50%. In, in this month, and so I think he's slowly finding it. Like, and I think all these guys, it's a similar story. Like, especially the guys who miss a long time with injury, it takes them a while to get back up to speed. And we see the same thing with rookies, right? Like, they just haven't played in the NBA in a while, and it takes a minute to get used to. Oh my lord, this guy's moving so fast. He's so big. He's so strong and athletic and tough. And so, I mean, I think. Um, and it's one of the reasons why Shea Gilch Alexander, who's a guy we can talk about, um, he made the the column this week. He's back down to forty nine percent because he had a couple bad games. But I, I think you know things are only going to go up from here. Like you can't let two bad games freak you out too much, in the sense that right, if you're LeBron James has two bad shooting nights, you're going to drop him too. Like that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, and let's maybe. Uh... Try to have Shea Gilgis Alexander and LeBron James not be in the same sentence, but you're 100 percent correct with the fact that there's just there's no reason to look at a guy that you picked up and say, "All right, I have faith in this guy. I think he is going to be a top 75 player. I think he's going to be a uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. I think he's going to be a top 50 player. He did have kind of a up and down start. Now he's playing really really well. I fully expect him to have like at least a bunch of dud games over the next month and a half uh, simply because, you know, he's a rookie and, and, and that's the, what happens. Um, but also streaks happen. We, we saw a lot of guys super hot at the beginning of the season, also in huge slumps and they've all kind of evened out. And that doesn't mean they're not going to go back into a bad slump or get super hot later in the season. Um, it, it, if you have a guy like Shay Gilders Alexander, available on your waiver wire and he hasn't been playing well i don't see why you get rid of him just to be your streamer that's like there's certain guys who should be streamers on your team those are guys with low upside who are good uh who are you know top 100 150 like in that range good those are the guys you stream shay gillis alexander might be playing at a low level over the, but uh, don't let a handful of games confuse you because his potential is a lot higher. And I, I, I choose to uh, kind of keep those guys around on my team, maybe sometimes a little too long, but it, to me it's worth the risk because you can get, end up getting a guy who's, you know, a top 50 player uh, who actually changes the outcome of your se- entire season. Well, and, and you mentioned those two rookies and I think it's easy for people to get, con- I, I don't want to say confused maybe, but, but maybe that's the right word about these players' value in the sense that, like, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is not a guy who scores a ton of points, and he doesn't really get many assists, and his rebounds even aren't that great. I mean, most of his value is concentrated in those steals and blocks categories with, you know, a good field goal percentage. And, you know, he does – he scores 13 points a game, which is not nothing, but it's not, like, any huge thing. But people get confused in the sense that, like, they see a game where he gets a steal and a block – and he only scores eight points and only has like three or four rebounds. And like, oh, man, that was such a trash game. And it's like he gave you a steal and a block. I mean, he he helped you in yeah. a lot of ways. And and should you go with Josh Sanders a little bit the same way in the sense that he's a pretty good steals and blocks player. And you guys got to realize that even one steal and one block are big helps to your team in the sense that there's a lot of guys out there that are not getting one steal and one block a game. I mean, there's only a handful of players that are. 
I mean, it's it's actually huge uh, to get a steal and a, and a block from a guy who's a guard. You know, like that that block from a guard is 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 somehow. I understand that uh, statistically is not worth more, but the fact that you can start a center and a forward who gets blocks and have a guard who's getting blocks it means there's one more position on well, your I'm- roster where that is that is open for guys who can get blocks it helps you make up more blocks so i know they're each worth one block i'm not like trying to do some jitsu shady math on your, on everybody out there but a block from your guard is makes a player more worthwhile than that one block from a from a center Oh, no doubt. And we talk about winning on the margins. I mean, that's the easiest way to do it. If you're starting a player who gets 0.2 blocks and I'm starting a player who gets 0.9 blocks, that's a big advantage over a four-game week or over, you know, you're talking Roto and over an 82-game season. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that gets to be a lot, a lot. So that's kind of where people miss the boat on that, I think, is – they just don't quite understand. And, and we talk about Shea Gilgis. You know, he's in 30 minutes a game, which is probably what he's going to play for the rest of the season. He's averaging over a steal and like 0.8 blocks. So, yeah, that that seems pretty good to me for a, a guy you can play at point guard. Absolutely. And winning on the margins is exactly what we're trying to help you do going in two week seven. Uh, let's get into it. There are three teams, the Nuggets, the Thunder, and the Kings, that only have two games pretty – pretty rough schedule for those guys and really outside of the superstars on those teams kind of hard to you know especially when you don't know like hey is Gary Harris healthy is he not healthy uh Jamal Murray is he gonna have two great games or is he gonna have one good game one bad game uh kind of hard to start everyone on those on those three teams here's what I would say okay and then we'll just take um someone from my list uh, against Jamal Murray, and yeah. and this is kind of how this works, and, and I try to explain this maybe every week a little bit, and I think some people still don't understand. Okay, so you're just looking at Jamal Murray's stats for this season. Okay, assuming he gets exactly his averages, which I understand that's not how this works, but he's going to relatively average those stats over the season. So that's kind of how I like to look at it. Okay, he's getting 17 and a half points a game. Okay, so that would be 35 points for the week. Well, you go pick up someone like even like Chetty Osman and start him over him. Well, Chetty Osman scoring eleven point seven points per game, but he's going to play four times, so that's obviously over forty four points. Well, you're only getting thirty five points from Jamal Murray. So I mean, and that's just one category, and you can go through the rest of the categories, but you're going to find out that Chetty Osman is actually giving you more raw statistics than Jamal Murray just because he's playing twice as much. Yeah, exactly. And like even even like a, a, a lower name, so let's just go with another guy on your list, uh, Brian Forbes. Uh, Brian Forbes on, on the Spurs, um, you know, he is going to play four games this week, and he's been averaging almost 13 points a game. Is he doing much of anything else? No, but if that's the kind of, uh, you know, if points is the is the statistics that you're trying to go for because your matchup this week isn't terribly good at points, uh, maybe they're a middle or a bottom tier type of points uh, producing team, uh, it's, it's, it's a decision like that that can swing you your week, even though well, 
it's hard to recommend someone start Brian Forbes over Gary Harris, but this, I mean, it's just pure statistics. Well, and here's the other thing too. Like we're looking at assists, right? Cause these guys are both point guards. Joe Marley gets you 4.6 assists a game. And, you know, Brent Forbes would only have to average two and a half assists a game to beat that for the week. Right. That would give him 10 for the week. And, in you know, in eight games, he's only getting nine point. Or in two games, Jamal Murray's only getting nine point two. So, um, it gets real easy if you just do the math. And here's the other thing too. We talk about this all the time. Minutes are the most important stat in fantasy. At most, you're getting seventy minutes from Gary Harris. He's not going to play more than thirty five minutes a game, probably unless it goes to overtime. Yeah, something crazy happens. Some weird overtime game, but whatever. Yeah. So you're getting at most seventy minutes from. Jamal Murray, I mean, to get 70 minutes in four games, I mean, the math's pretty simple there. You don't have to average that many minutes, right? You average 20 minutes a game, you're getting 80 minutes. Um, So anyone playing like 30 minutes a game, that's 120 minutes. It's so many more minutes to grab a rebound, get an assist, steal the ball. And so, yeah, that there's a big advantage in streaming these four-game guys, especially over the two-game people. Now over the three-game people, it gets a little bit more hairy, and you want to start – I, I try to start all my top 50 guys at least playing three games, and then I kind of work out the math and guys below the top 50. But if you only have two games, I'm looking at the super elite guys. I'm looking, in, especially in standard leagues, like 10 and 12 team leagues, I'm looking at the basically the first two or three rounds, and I'm saying, okay, I'll probably start you. I'll probably start you. And then once it even gets to like that 35, 40, 45, 50 range, I'm, I'm really seriously considering – sitting those guys for guys playing four games that I can just maybe pick up off the waiver wire or, or maybe I have a four-game guy on my bench that I don't normally start. Yeah, one one game of Westbrook is is almost worth four games of Brian Forbes. So, like, there are exceptions, right? But uh, when, you, when you look at some of your guys that you got coming in, owned it under 50% of leagues uh, in your top 10 here. Uh, a couple of these guys, like I said, surprised that they're still owned in under 50% of leagues. Uh, Kelly Oubre Jr., a guy we've talked about numerous times as kind of like, well, is he? He's kind of a poor man's auto porter, but they're giving him more minutes. He's a really good defender. Um, he's been getting a very good run in that mess of a Wizards team, and also like we talked about this, like there is a chance they blow the like it, at any time, at any point of the, of the week, suddenly someone is going to get traded off that team, and having Kelly Oubre Jr. as your streamer could end up basically benefiting you because he could end up being the beneficiary of a trade uh, from someone, whether he stays on the wizards and he gets more minutes or he ends up leaving and, and playing more minutes somewhere else. Um, he could be the Kelly Oubre jr. Could be the beneficiary fantasy wise, because I'd say, you know, if he's playing 20, if he's playing like 28 minutes a game, let's say 28, 29 minutes a game. I'm pretty sure he's a standard league relevant player. Pretty close. Especially if you don't give a crap about field goal percentage. I would say this in 20 in 25 minutes that he's basically playing this season, he's getting pretty darn close in the sense that he's averaging a steal now the blocks. He's averaging 0.7 and that's helping his value a lot this year. He's never really done that before. I mean, he played more minutes than 25 a game last season and he only averaged 0.4. So that might be a little bit of an outlier statistic there, but I, I mean, yeah, especially in third. If you talk, if you tell me Kelly Oubre gets thirty minutes a game, I'm definitely saying he's standard league relevant. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see too. The Wizards play the Rockets, then they play at the Pelicans, at the Sixers, and then at home against the Nets this week. Mm. That's a um, kind of a that's a kind of a rough go. Yes, and here's the other thing to say about that too. They very much sort of base the minutes on matchups. It seems like the 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 minutes kind of go all over for a lot of these Wizards players. And I'm assuming that it's some sort of crazy Scott Brooks matchups business. Like, I mean, okay, I'll just read you the last five games on Kelly Oubre's game log from Basketball Reference. 27, almost 28 minutes. He was seven seconds short of 28 minutes in the first game. Then he played 29 and a half. Then he played 12. Then he played 24. Then he played 20, almost 23. Hmm. Now, here's the worry. And I mentioned those matchups. Okay, they've played a couple of those teams already. Um, so they they have not played the Rockets yet, but they played the Pelicans in their last game, and Ubre only got twenty two and a half minutes. Hmm, that's surprising. They, like it, it just it doesn't seem like they've figured out. They have not played Philly, but, but they played they played Brooklyn too, and he played twenty eight minutes against Brooklyn. So hmm. there was a kind of two. I mean, obviously, that's a very small sample size. Um, I I understand that. But they they kind of seem to be basing it on matchups in the sense that like if you read through all of his games this season and the, he's played 19 games, the minutes kind of go up and down like that the whole time. And so I'm assuming they're they're determining you're good against these guys or whatever. He maybe he's just shooting the ball better against some teams and they're leaving him out there. I'm not exactly sure what what the mastermind Scott Brooks is doing here, but yeah. Um. So. There's just that's just the numbers. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, uh, he's, and, he's a guy with four games this week that I'm 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 really willing to take the risk of. Yeah, me too. And he, and here's the other thing: he's just a little bit frustrating, and so you gotta be, you gotta have some risk tolerance to start him because sometimes everything seems right, and then I own this guy in a deeper league, and I'm like, okay, I feel good about you tonight, Kelly. You're gonna have a good game, and then he plays 20 minutes, and you're like, what was that? Um, so it's, it's not, it's not a surefire bet. Let's put it that way. No, it is, it is not. And, uh, I want to talk about another guy. speaking of small sample size, uh, Mikel Bridges on the Phoenix Suns, um, really had a really, um, kind of, uh, surprising, I'd say impressive two to three, four game streak. Uh, where he was hitting about three three pointers a game and getting like two two and a half steals a game, uh, that fell off pretty quickly. But he has gotten five starts over the last six games, and in those you know um, six or so games, he has been hovering around standard league relevancy, uh, getting you a three, getting you over a steal a game. Doesn't seem like Phoenix has committed to getting him uh, as a permanent part of this rotation, but it does seem like they are starting to lean towards the youth there as they are tanking for the 20th, fifth season in a row. Congratulations, Phoenix Suns. Um, looking at the rest of the year for Mikel Bridges, is this a guy you are – like? What, what's your level of interest in, in Mikel Bridges? Are you just keeping an eye on him? Do you plan on taking it? a flyer on him, taking a chance on him at any point in the season, looking long-term. I know everybody gets a little excited about those rookies, but the steel three combo here does uh, look like it could have some, uh, at least somewhat intriguing uh, impact when it comes to uh, fantasy value. So 
these are not never perfect, but we'll go back. I mean, he played three years in college, so we'll we'll look at look back at those numbers just real quick. What we saw from Bridges, especially in those last two years at Villanova, was he averaged basically 1.6 steals and a block a game over those last two seasons at Villanova. Now that's 76 games because they played deep into the NCAA tournament both years. Um, he's shown that he could be a decent rebounder in the NCAA. Now he never really scored much until his junior season, like his last year. He always shot well from the field and well from the free throw line though. So those are, are good for fantasy. Um, so he gave you kind of an intriguing skill set coming in. I think the steals are for real. I think he could be potentially a, a semi-elite guy in that category, like average one and a half a game, um, especially if he gets 30 minutes. And here's the, the upshot. So over his last six games, he played over 25 minutes in four of them. He played 23 minutes against Philly, and he played 24, almost 24 and a half minutes against Milwaukee. So, I mean, he's obviously getting like 25 minutes a game, at least for right now, in that rotation. And he's past Josh Jackson, which is good. Um, so if the question is, how interested am I him for the rest of the season? Right now, I mean, he's basically just a steel streamer. Like even 1.2 pointers is it's good, but it's not great. Now, if you're telling me he's going to play 30 minutes a game, and things get interesting because he could potentially be an elite steals guy and give you like one and a half three pointers. It's probably still a little bit more like streaming territory um, for this season because I don't think the the rebounds. I don't think there's going to be any assists. He'd have to get the blocks up to to make himself worthy, and he'd probably score around ten points a game um, in thirty minutes. So I mean, it would be fringy standard league relevance, but. Some of these guys, like we've talked about Tony Allen, right, for how many years, how he would just get like two steals a game, and you'd be like, well, anytime he plays, I pick him up because I want his two steals. Yeah. There's (laughs) always this kind of like, oh, well, well, I know this guy doesn't do hardly anything else, but it's a hard category to get. He's always worth a stream. Um, You know, back in the day, it used to be the fringe, the the three-pointer guys, the guys who hit a lot of threes and didn't do anything else. Now yeah, everybody, hit, everybody hits threes. No one cares about threes anymore. But, uh, you know, if if Mikhail Bridges does end up being a steel, uh, kind of elite steel guy, um, probably worth owning in the second half of the season. But looking at his overall game, like you were saying, there's not a ton to love other than those steals. Like, of course, he could end up being a really good three-point shooter. Um the three-point shooting isn't really, you know, fan- like being a guy who hits two three-pointers a game isn't really unheard of anymore. So, like, having two three-pointers and one-and-a-half steals a game, intriguing, good guy to have a, at the end of your bench, but still an end-of-your-bench type of player. This, he does not feel like a top 100 um, or uh, top 75. I'm not even going to attempt to say he's going to be a, t- a top 75 guy. Like, he does not even feel like a top 100 guy. When, it, when you look at all of his stats together. I'm with you, but at, but streaming is a real thing, and sometimes that's how you win a week is just picking up a couple steals and a couple threes that you needed to get over the hump. I will say this about him too. So he's a rookie, yet the man already has five nicknames on Basketball Reference. Five. That's five more than I have. Uh, give me the, give me your f- favorite one. 
No, I want you to. I want you to try to guess any. I'll, I'll give you one, and then I want you to try to guess any other one. The other bridges. No. The he, twin bridges. No. So he's got some good ones. Noodles. That that don't even want to know why. String bean. Okay, that's brittle. Terrible. Brittle's a great nickname to have in any sport. Inspector Go Go Gadget. That now that's a good nickname. This one was gonna be my favorite. The praying mantis. The praying mantis. Meh. Eh, Dude, yeah. I always think the praying mantis would be a cool mascot for a sports team, just because you could have that like mantis. That like praying mantis are ugly the man. mantis. The mantises. See, that's the problem. You can't pluralize it. Like you can say the Bulls, the Nets, the Lakers. Dude, there's the a team mantises called Magic. Is, 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 well, don't get me started on Orlando and Magic, which is not a real thing. The praying mantis. So you would say like the St. Louis mantis. That's a terrible no, one. Aren't they like Manti if there's more than one? The Seattle mantises. Is. No, the Seattle Manti. Come on. The that Seattle praying mantis. I like if it. Any team moves to, I mean, the colors would stay the same, but if any team moves to Seattle, you got to be the Sonics. You got to be the Supersonics. You don't have a choice. You're the damn Supersonics, and that's how it works. But could you be a Manti? Can't, you can no, no Manti allowed. Not that's, in my, not in my league. No, thank you. <laughs> Let's see. Like you said uh, earlier, here, the Pacers best schedule. Uh, considering that they do not play on Wednesday and Friday, which are the big game nights. But really, do you have anyone on the on the Pacers that you're going to recommend streaming over someone who's as good as Kelly Oubre, Sadie Osman? Um, I mean, like well, Tyreek Tyreek Evans, perhaps. Definitely not for a weekly league. But if you're looking for somebody on Monday and Tuesday, if you're looking for somebody, and here's the here's the nice thing. Okay, they play Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. So if you're a person with like a couple streaming spots, you can pick up Corey Joseph, who's averaging one and a half steals and 3.8 assists per game on the season. Get three games out of that. And, you know, maybe win those two categories. Now, he's really the only one, so you're going to have to win the race to get him. He's only 8% owned, though, so he's probably available in pretty much any league, barring something really, really deep. And... That's enough to win you two categories, and you know what I mean. And a four, that turns a four-four matchup into a six-two matchup real fast. Absolutely, and one point five steals a game is nothing to um, nothing to ignore. Um, so, like, there is some value there, especially since you know mo- most leagues allow you to pick up and drop at least you know two, three, four players throughout the throughout the week. And having this team, having the Indiana Pacers play on those off days really is going to be a key to you maximizing the amount of games. Well, here's the other value, too. They play Saturday, too. So you could literally get all the days. You could get all the days except for Sunday from him. They play four in a row, basically. They play Monday, Tuesday. They play Then they play Thursday. Then they play Saturday. So you get all four. That's absolutely – that's that's very nice. Uh, Here's a guy I'm surprised uh, that you are recommending – to uh to stream the Thursday Saturday, which is uh is, is still a good stream. Uh uh Bielitsa on the Sacramento Kings has been dropped by quite a few people. Um I know that he has kind of fallen off a little bit um to I guess kind of 
he had the incredibly hot start. He's fallen off to probably where he is more more likely to be average during the season. But we're still talking about a guy who um, right now per game, I know he had that hot start, but per game he is the 73rd ranked player per game. And over the last two weeks, he's still in the top 120, even though his minutes have dropped uh, and he is uh, not terribly in favor there, but he still had a, a handful of good games. I feel like it's completely uh, worth it. I know Sacramento is only playing two games, so like not a guy you want to add if you have a weekly lock type of thing. But if you're looking for those the late week uh, stream, I don't know why Bielitsa wouldn't be on your, not even on your radar, but just on your team later this week. Yeah, and I mean this this the thing for Bielitsa is the minutes are kind of crazy, but like you mentioned, like this might not be anyone better to add, number one. And number two, like even in this so somewhat bad time, we've seen him score eighteen points and twelve points in two of his last three games. We've seen him get eight rebounds and seven rebounds. We've seen him get the steals and the blocks still. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's still doing what he normally does. Have there uh, has he been knocking off every single game? Like he's the second coming uh, of uh, Chris Webber, which is not even what he was doing there. Uh, man, I, I really slandered Chris Webber there. I, I was I was reaching for a uh, a Sacramento a, a former Sacramento King to uh, to bestow him on, and uh, I went way too high. I went way too high with my comparison. Um, the next Vladi Divac? Uh, no, Mitch Richmond. Interesting. Hey, was Mitch Richmond. That's a pretty good one. Um, no, he he's had some Bealis has had some really trash games. He's like just taking giant dump. Not a not a not a uh, Gordon so, Hayward level dump, but like he's had some one he had a one point game in nineteen minutes. That's pretty 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 trash. So here's a strange thing. Now this is just like looking looking back at the game logs, so this might not have anything to do with anything, but it's interesting to notice that lately in the games where he hits his shot, he gets minutes. And in the games where he's not, he's not. It's like, it's the Fred Hoiberg thing with Miritich. Like, oh, you missed your first couple. You're out. Yeah. Uh, heaven forbid uh, Miritich ever play in a, in the, in a proper um, position on the court and a proper role and then actually get the leeway to, uh, to start and play extended minutes. And I wonder what that would look like. I wonder what that would actually look like in a real scenario on a real basketball team with a real coach. Just wonder what that would look like. I don't know. I, the world may never know. We might never know. Uh, Tyler, do you have anything else looking at the week ahead, looking at this week or into week eight that you want to make sure our listeners are well aware of? So week eight is another pretty evened up schedule week here. So um, we don't super have to worry about it. Um, obviously, in the article, you can find some pickups uh, for those days. Uh, and Monday and Tuesday, which have seven and five games. Um, Wednesday and Friday, again, both have 10 games. And then Saturday has nine next week. So we get a little bit more unbalanced, but I would say that's, say that's pretty even. Um, and, and for next week, here's the other thing, too. You guys got to remember that getting a player on Sunday that plays then on Monday or Tuesday – is a really big advantage, especially if like you're in one of those leagues, like Mike mentioned, where they only allow three or four pickups. That can be huge. I try to do that pretty much every week in all my uh, head-to-head leagues, just because I feel like then I'm kind of maximizing 
not just this week, but next week. And I want to win both. Yeah, it definitely gives you the edge. Um, I often save um, a at least a pickup, like one pickup, to do the ex- you know the extra start for the next week. Uh, it really depends on how close I am, and, and I, I've, I guess I've been doing less of it this year, uh, year because I've been not terribly great uh, in my uh, head-to-head leagues so far. But you know, I feel like I've, I've turned it around a little bit. I feel like I'm playing a little bit better out there. And I, you know, it has to do with properly streaming and getting all the advantages you can, especially when it comes to game count, uh, when you are um, looking at not just this week, but the week ahead. So, like, both of the, those things are incredibly important. Uh, and you can find, like, this article that Tyler writes every week is, is incredibly good information. Um, you can find that on hashtag basketball.com. Go check that out. Tyler. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Because you're posting all sorts of stuff out there. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler P. Watts. Tyler is writing for the Mavs. He's also writing uh, another um, fantasy basketball article on a different site that we will uh, – do you want to mention that site, Tyler? We can uh, yeah, it's on, it, it's on Fantasy Pros. Yeah. Um, it's and another good article. And they they post um, hashtag basketballs projections and, and all that stuff. So I mean that what they're they're friends of the show. I would say. Right. Yeah, they're they're affiliated, and uh, Tyler is putting a lot of great content. Check him out, Tyler P Watts, on Twitter. You can find me at Watch the Boxes. We are going to be back to our regular scheduled programming this week after the holidays. That means you got some. Uh, buy lows, sell highs, and waiver wire podcasts coming your way this week. But if you want to get those ahead of time, that is uh, getting a little bit of a leg up on the rest of the people in your league, check out patreon.com slash watching the boxes and subscribe. Patreon subscribers, they get exclusive first dibs on those podcasts ahead of when they are published on the regular podcast feed. And we might be starting a mid-season league, perhaps. If we got enough interest, if we get enough people showing up and joining on Patreon.com, subscribing there, you can join our mid-season league as well. Uh, we can get that spent up for all you uh, people um, who might be really struggling out there, who might be really, really in just looking bad so far this year. I can't wait for this league, basically, is what I'm trying to say. I cannot wait to start the midseason league because uh, my full season leagues not as not doing as well as I care to admit. So check that out. Patreon.com slash watching the boxes. All right. That is it. We will catch you next time. Have a good night.